Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. Want to officially welcome you guys and gals out to another YouTube live of yours truly. Hope you all are doing exceptionally well. Hope your Tuesday has been blessed. Hope God has surrounded you with favor. I pray you guys have been effective and efficient in your day. And I count it an honor to serve you all today. So I'm going to give you all an opportunity to come into the live feed so that we can be able to, uh, so I can be able to serve you all. But if this is your first time watching, I want to say thank you so much for watching. If after watching this video, you feel like it's something that could be a, a, a part of your spiritual journey with God, uh, make sure you subscribe, hit the bell, uh, so that you can be a part of these live Q&As. And if you're watching this and you are unplugged here on my YouTube channel and you're a faithful uh, um, watcher, I want to say thank you all so much um, for always rocking with me and trusting me with your question. I kind of honor and it's very humbling um, that God will utilize my gift set and his spirit in me through my unique wittiness and creativeness or whatever it is uh, to be able to serve you all. And if you're watching this, you're like, man, this video is kind of long. I don't know if it's going to be 30 minutes. I don't know if it's going to be 45 minutes. The timestamps are below. All the questions will be posted below for you to jump through the video if you need to. Um, but I'm going to get right into the chat box. But, oh, let me greet all those who are watching. If you're watching, <clears throat> whether or later on YouTube, um, if you're listening later, <clears throat> give me on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify. I want to say thank you all so much for listening, for watching. Thank you all so much for just tuning in. I pray um, these resources are a blessing to you. And um, let's get right into it. Let's get into the chat box, see who's all here. <clears throat> hey, what's going on, Jennifer? How you feeling? Andrea, how you feeling? Estella, what's going on? Aline Collins, how you doing? Shaar, what's going on? Jay Keaton, what's going on? Estella, how you feeling? How you doing? Celeste, hey, coach, blessings to you and Miss Ezzy. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. We're blessed and highly favored. The Lord, thank you for that. Jennifer Gibbons says, was just watching one of your old videos. Oh, man, we got a ton of videos, man. I think I have about 1,500 videos. So I probably talked about a lot of these topics, um, but I've been doing YouTube since 2008, 2008, 2009. So over a decade, I've been doing videos. So you can watch my growth here on my YouTube channel. <clears throat> and I'm sure I have some, some video for something that you're going through. Uh, Jennifer Gilman was just watching. Oh, thank you so much for watching. Call Kim, call me Kim, becoming better at being in, in the we. I feel you, brother. That's it. My two cents was going on from Detroit. Hey, sugar mama from Oklahoma. Krista Redeem, what's going on? Rodeo Jordan. Hey, what's up? All is well. I pray all is well for you as well. Jay Keen says, how to discern a counterfeit? How to discern a counterfeit? First, good first question. Let's break it down. Like I said in previous videos before, I talked about how a counterfeit is a force fit. Anything that you try to force to fit in your life is a counterfeit. And I talked to broke down the word counter uh, uh, fit and counterparts that God wants to give you counterparts, not counterfeits. God gives us counterparts. The devil gives us counterfeits. The enemy's ultimate objective is try to get you through your free will to force fit things that were not that were not created for your purpose, because anything that you try to force fit is going to cause you to be in fish. You heard me say this before. But counterparts are things that God has laid out from the day you was born and to the day you die, parts on the counter of your life that fits your purpose. You won't be able to recognize a counterfeit from a counterpart if you're not um, if you're not aware of who you are, if you don't know how to count. Those who recognize, those who are able to recognize the difference are people who are able to count spiritually. You got to be able to do spiritual math. You got to be able to count the difference between something that's demonic and something that's divine and something that's just deep inside you that's carnal. You got to be able to do that. And the best way to learn how to count and build a discernment is to fellowship with the Father uh, <clears throat> and to get into his word and really understand what is the will of God uh, for your life. The Bible says, uh, 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. This is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Um, that you, uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. Verse 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to uh, discern, to be, that you may be able to test and discern what the will of God is, was good, acceptable, and perfect. In order to do that, you got to be in a certain form. You got to transform into the image of God. Right now, you're going into one or two directions based upon what you engage in daily. Either you're being conformed to the image of this world or you're being transformed into the image of Christ. But you do that by the renewing of your mind. In order to be able to recognize the difference between a counterfeit and a counterpart, your perspectives has to be renewed. You have to have the mind of Christ. And you adopt the mind of Christ by realizing that your mind is is wasted already and that, that your mind cannot be useful in and of itself. It, it, can, it can compute things. It can be successful. It can get things done. But when it comes to understanding and recognizing things that are real in this world, you won't be able to recognize unless your mind, unless you are allowing the Holy Spirit to renew your mind to be able to recognize a counterfeit. But to get specifically the discernment comes from deep fellowship. Your discernment grows as your fellowship deepens with God. As you begin to deepen your fellowship and you get to know God, it's like any relationship. The more you recognize a person, the more you can recognize their patterns. The more you recognize their patterns, you can recognize the path that they're going. And if you begin to get to know the person of God and become aware of his patterns that has been written within the scripts of his word and that's evident in the Holy Spirit's engagement in your life, you will begin to recognize the path that God wants you to go down. And as you get to get as you get to know him you will begin to uh, um, um, number one you will be willing to let go of your will you will be willing to say you know what I know nothing the best way to recognize and deepen your discernment is to walk in humility to humble yourself to realize that you know nothing that you are not able to recognize the one from the from the others you're not you in your own effort you are unable to recognize anything. The Bible says uh, they, they they profess to be wise, but they end up being fools. And so when you think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, you find yourself uh, uh, self-sabotaging your life, but you deepen your discernment by number one, recognizing that you know nothing and humbling yourself. And then, and then you get to know God in a deeper way. And over time, you will trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. You will begin to trust him when he says, no, that's not it. But, but it's hard to operate... <clears throat> in this manner if you're not content people who are not content settle for counterfeits those who are content wait for counterparts recognize counterparts basically your level of discernment boils down to your level of content of contentment is god enough for you because if god is enough you don't mind waiting those who rush those who overly desire are careless and they start overly zealously pursuing things because God's not enough to them. And that takes a process. That's a process for a lot of people. But that's how those are the core truths in regards to recognizing or discerning a counterfeit. If you're trying to force it, it's a counterfeit. If it just supernaturally flows, it's a counterpart. If you initiate without seeking God, chances are you're setting yourself up to be surrounded by counterfeits. And if you welcome counterfeits in your life, you can't help but have consequences that destroys your life. So if you're not content, <clears throat> first off, you have to humble yourself. You have to uh, believe that God's enough. You have to embrace contentment and pursue it. And you have to trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. And you got to let God flow. Trust me, I'm a living witness. When, when I, when I, listen, my life became better when I let it go. Right now, I have no cares. 
I have no worries. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a human, but but me and God are so tight, man, that that I'm not really moved anymore. I ch- I've been in the ministry for 10, 11 years, and, and I've tried to force things and try to make them happen, and all the things I've tried to force failed. Everything I allowed to flow through God is flourishing now. Trust me. <clears throat> Examine your heart and ask yourself, what is it in my heart that's keeping me from being content in God? Because if you if you saw if you allow the Holy Spirit to solve that problem, you will be able to recognize counterfeits and counterparts days before they even come. Great question, Mister Consistent in the building. You know, Coach Coach don't play. Been doing this for twelve years. I'm not new to this. I'm true to this. Jennifer, what's going on, sis? How you feeling? Prince Ar- Amir from Dallas. What's going on? T. Tennille from Missouri. What's up? Thanks for the back-to-back lives and sharing the wisdom. God gets the glory. If I got the energy and I, and I feel the Holy Spirit say, go get them, then I'm going to go get them. I'm going to go get you. I'm going to do it. Let me roll up. Oh, let me see. sound a real, real ghetto right now. <clears throat> let me scroll up and see where I left off. Okay. Uh, Andrea Love says, my question is how... How my question is, how do I get to a place of paying ties regularly without hesitating because of fear of paying bills? First off, you have to understand that money is is a gift from God Um, and that as you grow into things of God, you'll begin to realize just how generous your heart becomes. You will begin to give from a generous heart. Anytime you try to tithe or 12th or 13th or 14th or whatever the percentage that the Holy Spirit places in your heart, um, 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 you're not going to be able to do it unless you are able to. Uh, trust God <clears throat> with your finances. And the best way to do it is, is to start at a place at your heart and to ask yourself, who do I truly serve? Who do I truly trust? Do I trust God or do I trust, do I trust God? Because the Bible talks, the reason why the Bible talks about two different forms of provision that you can't serve God and mammon, which is money, is because those two are the ultimate sources of, not ultimate, because money can't compare to the master. But what I'm saying is those are two forms of provision. <clears throat> if your perspective is not renewed and you're not allowing your mind to, to change into trusting God to be your source, then when God tells you to give and God leads you to be generous, it's going to be hard for you to because you trust money more. Now, you have to look at your life and use wisdom um, because it's not about generosity. It's about discipline. It's about am I am I well with my money? It's easier to give. Is 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 I'm gonna say easier, but you're more prone to give, or you're more you have a giver's type heart when you're disciplined with your money, when you discipline with your resources. And so if you don't have, if you're not disciplined with your money, it's going to be hard for you to be generous towards God. It's going to be hard for you to give because because uh, uh, cares that his life has gripped your heart, um, uh, worldviews has gripped your heart, poor money managers has gripped your heart. So it's going to be hard for you to give <clears throat> generously to the things of God. As he leads you, if 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 you're a poor money manager, so my real question to you is: Are you managing your money well? Are you really taking the time to to examine every dollar that comes in, every dollar that goes out, and then allow the Holy Spirit to grow your heart into generosity, where you able um, um, to give the way God wants you to give? Hope that helps. Lizzie Lewis says, "Singleness season part two from last night." Wanted to say how to. Wanted to say how to be content and singleness when you've been intimate before. Oh, good question, Lizzie. You you asked a question yesterday. That's right. Uh, singleness season part two from last night. Wanted to say or see how to be content in singleness when you've been intimate before. Um, <clears throat> there is nothing too hard for God. Um, yes, your body has been awakened. Yes, your body has been um, um, opened 
up into levels of intimacy that that can be uh, a torment that can be uh, that can hunt you. And so uh, what you have to understand is that that God can, if you allow, um, subside any type of emotional awakening that may have happened previously in your life. But it comes with your mind being renewed. <clears throat> your emotions only go as far as as where is your as where is your mind is sitting. If your mind is sitting at a place of the past, your emotion is going to bubble from that place. But if your mind is sitting in a place of peace and trust in God, then your emotions will be like still waters. Your emotions will rarely be ruffled. But but it all boils down to your mind. You have to change the way you see that intimate part of your life. If you were intimate with the young man, you got to change the way you view that situation. Because that's why, let me warn those out there <clears throat> who are consumed in this type of lifestyle, or sinful practice. The enemy loves to get you in uh, significant moments because significant moments produce significant memories. Significant memories lead to significant momentum. Significant momentum leads to more significant movements, which repeats the cycle. Now, what does that mean? He wants to get you into a place where uh, 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 that you're tempted into moments that you will never forget. His greatest weapon against you and myself is are our memories. He knows that most people are not uh, are not disciplined mentally enough to be able to renew, to allow the Holy Spirit to renew their perspective in a way where they view view their past significant moments differently. He knows that it's going to be hard for you um, to, to forget your first time, hard to forget your second time, the first good time, the last bad time. He knows that when you get intimate with a person, your body will naturally begin to register that that person is the sole source of your sexual pleasure. And, and, and when you are unaware of how your body is, and the Bible talks about how that when a person um, does things in that manner, they sin against themselves. Because your body is layered. Your body begins to register that that man and that woman is your sole source of pleasure. And if you don't renew your mind in that and limit that actions until marriage, then you will constantly um, put your body in overload. And your body's like, who is our husband? Who is our wife? Who is our person for our pleasure? And then your mind will register in your mind in categories of, well, good or bad, pleasing or non-pleasing, pleasurable or non-pleasurable. And then if the person was pleasurable, then your body would then begin to crave them in moments of weakness. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to renew your mind and you allow the Holy Spirit to cause you to forgive yourself and to forgive the person or to forgive or, or to uh, 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 forgive yourself of what that what you may have caused, then 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 the intimacy will continue to thrive. Intimacy has to be shifted. In, in order to get rid of that <clears throat> carnal intimacy, you have to grow in intimacy with God. Not in the same way, of course, but in a way where you begin to realize, okay, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna go forward from this place of 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 failure. And, and, and walk in faith, knowing that you will heal me, but you have to systematically process the experiences. And I want you to write down the partners that affect you the most, the, 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 the pleasures of it. And I want you to begin to really process why those things are bothering you now. And then I want you to develop a system through the help of the Holy Spirit where you where you begin to uh, 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 have better confessions, uh, 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 have a journal to help you process and vent your feelings and and to realize that 
that it doesn't matter how pleasurable a person was in your past, the one that God has for you will be ple more pleasurable because they're actually going to love you. You see what I'm saying? And so, yes, it's going to be hard to be content if you've been intimate before, but but there's nothing too hard for God. Um, but it, it becomes harder if you allow your mind to be hearted in a, in, a, in a place that is not being healed and allowing God to turn your heart of stone into a heart of flesh where you're able to change your perspective of your, of your past pleasures and begin to repent, confess your sin with each person, with every gentleman or every person that you've done anything with, confess your sin, repent from it and say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to renew my mind. And because a lot of people are dealing with self-hate and they're not even upset with their partner, they're upset with themselves. They're upset with themselves because they, they feel dirty, they feel ashamed. God loves you. God know God chose you with your past mistakes in mind. He chose you for such a time as this, and you got to get to know God in a deeper way in regards to his love for you. And when you begin to understand and accept God's love, then he'll, he'll, he'll <clears throat> lead you down a path further and further away of your old self, and then you'll begin to see yourself differently and live differently. Hope to help. You're so welcome. <clears throat> Pink October. Hey, coach, how do I correct mistakes with the child? Great question. Um, the best way to correct anything is twofold. Two ways to correct anything with the person that you may have offended is to be humble and to be, uh, to, okay, hold on. What was my other word? To be humble, to be kind, three things, and to be patient. Humble, humility, kindness, and patience is how, it's the best best ingredients to help redeem the trust, redeem the love. And, uh, oh no, no, it's four things, <clears throat> humility, kindness, patience, and change behavior. If you want to get your child back that you may have offended, that you may have hurt or to get, or to, or to, uh, to be a better husband or to be a better wife. Number one, you have to be humble. You have to humble yourself. You got to release all pride. You got to look at yourself and say, what could, what, ha what did I do to contribute to the situation? I'm not going to, because what happens is people justify their behavior because of something that's not even justifiable. They justify their behavior where I did this because of you. No, 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 no. You don't approach anybody. You approach people humbly, humble and say, you know what? I take full responsibility. Anytime my wife and I get into any type of disagreement as the leader, I take responsibility because if I, there could have been a better way, I could have led better. You see what I'm saying? I don't care if she's at fault. I don't care if she was wrong. I take full responsibility because if I would have done now, don't, don't get me wrong. She, she takes responsibility as well, but as the leader, I'm not going to wait for her to take responsibility. I'm going to take responsibility for my actions and then I'm going to change my behavior. Number one is humble. You got to approach them with humility saying, you know what? I was wrong. Number two, you have to be kind. Humility and kindness is, it goes hand in hand when it comes to people. When you go to your child, say, you know what? I was wrong. And, and, and you, you correct, you correct yourself in front of them. And then, then you teach them how to correct themselves and however they contribute, but you be kind to them, be gentle to them. Because if you just harsh and you know, I love you, but you, you just harsh, it's going to be hard for Cause they're little humans. You know, people are humans with, with all different types of emotions. And if you're not able to process your emotion, you can't get mad at a younger person who's going to be unable to process their emotion. I work at elementary school. I see it all the time when I'm in a car lot, car line or when a kid comes into breakfast and, and kids come to me crying sometimes i'm like what's wrong my mom yelled at me P parents understand that when you put no matter what a child does you got to handle things differently because energy travels so if you cussing at your kid yelling at your kid slapping your kid and your kid you give you you've given a maximum punishment for a misdemeanor 
know what I'm saying? There's a there's a right way to correct. But if you if you channel that negative energy because you got bad energy, that kid is going to school. How's that kid gonna learn? So you got to think two or three three moves ahead to recognize their brains are not mature enough to process their emotions, to process their actions like you. So you got to always be the bigger person. So that humbles you because you begin to walk in empathy, understanding that that kid don't know no better than you. And there's some people that got childish behaviors. And even when I deal with adults with childish behavior, I don't get myself upset. I'm the greater adult. I'm the more mature adult. So I humble myself. I don't bring myself to their level. I, I humble myself to their level to recognize their level. And then I jump back to my level and hopefully have the opportunity to help them come to that level. <clears throat> so you approach them with humility and you be kind to them going forward. And number three, be patient. Let them process their emotions. Be patient. Don't, don't, don't rush them into, 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 uh, uh, coming back to you, be patient with them as you continue to be kind, as you continue to be humble. Now, if their behavior crosses the line, you just got to ask the Holy Spirit how to correct them, spare the rod, spoil the child. The older they get, you might have to do a little bit uh, 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 more more different things that they're more attached to that will get their attention. But then again, you got to change, number four, your behavior going forward and say, you know what? I'm not, you look them in the eye and say, through the help of the Holy Spirit, son or daughter, I'm not going to act like this anymore. Be patient with me uh, and be honest with them. Um, be honest with God and be able to talk to God and say, God, show me why I'm the way I am. And he'll show you and he'll teach you how to approach your child differently because he made your child. He'll reveal to you what kind of personality you have and you will be able to go accordingly. So, hey, coach, how do I correct mistakes with the child? I hope I answered your question correct. I don't know if you're talking about how do you correct mistakes with the child as far as you making a mistake. Let's go to the other side. If a child make a mistake, same process flows. Be patient, be kind, um, be be patient, be kind, be humble, change your behavior, but but and also uh, continue to correct, change the way you correct them in a way that's a little bit more godly and helpful. I hope I, I attacked your question at the right angle, um, but those principles apply to both sides. Regina Webster, what's going on? How you feeling? Dana with the purpose says, hey, me and my sister used to be best friends now due to molestation from her husband. She no longer speaks to me. I miss her. What do I do now? <clears throat> the question says, hey, me and my sister used to be best friends now due to molestation from her husband. She no longer speaks to me. Give me a little bit more insight, Dina, <clears throat> so I can see what you mean. Um, because did, 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 did the husband molest her son or daughter? Well, either way, these principles apply no matter what <clears throat> the situation is. It's what you do. Um, it doesn't matter how far a person goes, your prayer puts you within proximity of wherever they are. I ask the Holy Spirit, how can I pray for my sister? How can I send in the gap, my sister? Do not allow your, uh, don't allow selfishness and your need for that friendship to make you invade <clears throat> her healing process, right? Some people, uh, people heal differently. You see what I'm saying? And so as people heal different, some people heal from a distance. Some people heal from, heal close. I got nieces and nephews. They all different. I got sisters. They all different. I got people I'm close to. They're all different. Brother, different. Parents, different. People, different. And, and no matter what happens, you have to allow them to heal the best way they can. And as they heal, even if it's from a distance, you pray in tongues for them when you don't have the words to say. And when you do have the words to say through the help of the Holy Spirit, begin to pray over them for, for the right healing and for God to heal that situation. That's the best advice I can give you. 
Don't try to don't be don't do to don't allow your desire for that friendship again or your desire for that closest again um, to cause you to invade the healing process because only God can heal. Now, the only way you can do the only way you can help heal <clears throat> is to be the nurse in the situation. God is a doctor. We are the nurses. Always remember that the nurse always does at the leadership of the doctor. And, and when the Holy Spirit say, hey, I need you to give her a call, you give her a call, that's what a nurse, I'm just checking in, checking your blood pressure, checking your vitals, checking on you. Everything here, in, here on out with your sister must be through the leadership of the Holy Spirit when I'm talking about actions towards her. But the, only, the number one action that you could do for her is to pray for her while she's at a distance. And when she comes near, make sure your heart is clear so that you will be able to be able to really serve her without where have you been and all that kind of extra emotion, <clears throat> but that you don't sit there and have no built up resentment or tension that that leaves you. And also make sure that you allow yourself uh, um, to be at rest and at peace, knowing that God is well able to help her, that God is well able and that there's no need to worry. Yes, it's a tragedy, a, a, a travesty. Yes, it's a bad thing that has occurred, but God is well able. Um, there's not, he's a surgeon that can help any type of injury. He's a surgeon that can help handle any type of emergency. So trust him and, 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 and trust him and leading you when he entrusts you to help her hope to help. Celeste Wooden Brown, he says, always you more than well. Oh yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Hey coach from Virginia. What's going on? Call me Ken. I love your creative wittiness. What's your testimony on that? Oh, thank you. Thank you. I love your creative wittiness. What's your testimony on that? Well, <clears throat> ever since I was a young boy, I asked God. When I first heard the story of Solomon, I don't know if this gift of wisdom was given to me from birth or I got it along the way. Chances are, I think I was born with with a certain um, creativeness, uniqueness that that when asked upon from God, God graced me with more wisdom. Right. Uh, but my my story is that I just love people. Uh, I really do believe that uh, with all IQ must be EQ. That the more that you're empathetic and understanding of people and that you study people and enjoy um, the, the, the dignity and, and you embrace the dignity of everyone, <clears throat> you begin to understand the scripture of I become all things to all men. I might win some. And that's one of my favorite scriptures that I endeavor um, to really put myself in everyone's shoes. And I've practiced that for such a young age. I've been doing this since fifth or sixth grade. And so I'm, my wittiness is at a high level because I intentionally probably 2021 intentionally start putting that into practice, putting my creativity in practice and putting my wittiness into practice and putting my uh, skill sets in practice. I'm skilled at this. See, I, I may have been gifted with this, but I turned my gifts and talents into skill. And so that's why people always ask, coach, how are you able to answer questions like that? I've been doing it for years. Um, and I and, and not, I, I, did, I did not allow my gift to be stagnant. And I think that's the issue with a lot of people. <clears throat> a lot of people's gifts are just stagnant. But the more you allow the, your, 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 your life to stir the gift and to make your gift pliable and fresh, and then when you press or test it, you're able to operate at a high level. And so what I would say is look at your unique uh, giftings and turn those gifts into skills. There's not a word that I do not at least try to tackle. Um, if I hear a new word, if I if I if I hear an, a, 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 a different <clears throat> uh, a cliche or phrase. I try, I, I got, I be, I be coming up with quotes all the time. I just don't always post them. And I practice quote making. I practice, um, how can I take a huge truth and put it in one sentence that a babe can hear? So 
my teaching ability increased as I made it a skill set. Do not just rest on your giftings. Do not just rest on your talent. Turn <clears throat> what you have into skill and God will take you places. Your gift makes room for you. Not just your gift at its, at its, at its cusp. We're talking about a gift that has been turned into skill. And so I don't practice these different things till I get it right. I practice to the point to where I can't get it wrong. That it doesn't matter. My, my mind is so skilled and so programmed and I don't say it in a bad way. Coach ain't no, you know, clone or nothing. But what I'm saying is like, mom, I've trained my mind into such a way where when I receive intel, I can break it down like that. But in the beginning, it was difficult. I would jumble over my words. But what I'm trying to say to just is write down your gift sets and just determine systems that you can implement in your life that would turn these different things into skill sets that giving yourself 10 years, 12 years, you will be a master of your craft and people be looking for you. That's the only reason why y'all trust me with y'all questions because I because y'all trust the Holy Spirit in me and you also see that I got a, I've mastered a skill set that 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 is second to none in my opinion <clears throat> that helps people. So, uh um cleverness is all about intentionality, wittiness is all about um um just being able to uh embrace and understand words and and engage with people and you'll pick up clues and you'll become all things to all men and you'll at least have a group in front of you of reaching some hope that helped you fam great question thank you for that man hey coach i finally caught you live welcome hobo dear welcome we're glad to have you crystal redeem says question watching larry reed live has become a bit of an addiction I know it's not helpful and really makes me side-eye the church leaders. How can I avoid watching such things? Um, <clears throat> first off, um, we as humans are prone through our sin nature, and for those who are new in Christ, old sinful ways, because no longer that nature is no longer in us anymore, but there's sinful ways and practices that are there. Uh, um, but we have the we have the 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 spirit of God that helps us to flood into our new nature. Um we are prone to gossip and we're prone to messiness. You see what I'm saying? We're prone to dirt. You see what I'm saying? Because we came from dirt, right? And so what you have to realize is that uh, <clears throat> you got to be able to chew the meat and spat the bones from anybody. And that comes, understanding the difference between meat and bone comes from understanding the Holy Spirit, right? And, and, and what happens is we become addicted to different things and we don't even understand why. There's deep-rooted attachments to old habits or hopes or <clears throat> uh, desires that cause us to be attached to different things that 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 cause us to uh, become addicted to personalities and to people, etc. So my advice to you is, um, is that church people are flawed. No matter what position a person holds, people are flawed. The Bible says that there will be false prophets among you. There will be a lot of people and people who call those people out. Um, some people have a gift. I don't know Larry Reed personally. I do see his videos <clears throat> pop up every now and then. And I know uh, he talks a lot about um, preachers. Um, I think I saw something where he talked about a preacher from Chicago. I ain't gonna say no names. And, but 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 if not careful, you would get distracted by that because it, it would kind of the devil would use that to kind of have you cast doubts on the true remnant church of God and on Jesus himself. That's why you don't judge a faith by his followers. You judge the faith by the one that established it because there is wheat and tares in churches. Not everybody who cries, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. There are false prophets. There are people who are under spells. There are pastors that cast spells on people. There's, there's churches that are, are miniature and mega uh, cults. 
And, and there are people who love their pastor more than Christ by design. The people, these pastors use music, use techniques, use um, manipulative techniques, use, um, what's the thing? Um, uh, what's the thing that they, uh, hypnosis on people. And so it's going to be messy because if you can't beat him, join, that's the devil's flight. If I can't beat God, if I can't beat Jesus, let me join his people and make it a, and become a hindrance and become messy and hinder the work of God for really flowing. But God is allowing the wheat and tares to grow together and there will be a separation. So you release your addiction by unsubscribing, by just not watching. But but either way, if you never deal with the reason why you're doing it, then you may not watch it for weeks, but you'll be right back in a month or so. So you got to look at your heart and ask yourself, why am I attached to this? Why am I addicted to this? And then when you deal with the source of the problem, the symptom was fade. <clears throat> so when I dealt with the root reason why I always watch NBA basketball back when I was young, when I dealt with the root reason, I rarely watch games. You see what I'm saying? So, so once you deal with the root reason of insecurities or fears or doubts or questions, and, and, and whatever, if you don't deal with those root reasons, you'll always watch people like that and your addiction will continue to increase. But if you look at your heart and find out what you're really attached to idol-wise or insecurity-wise, if you don't deal with that root reason, only you know the answer, uh, you'll stay you'll stay addicted. Hope to help, Crystal. I listen to you every day, man. Thank you for watching. I'm so glad that these, these tools are a blessing for you, fam, <clears throat> and that, that, that God leads you to watch my videos all the time. I really appreciate that, man. Jennifer Robertson, sis, what's going on? You said, question, what do you, what do you do with the prophetic word given to you? I just don't see it happening and what steps to take. First off, uh, let me advise you this way. Prophetic words, prophecy was designed to, to, uh, uh, to confirm what God has already told you. If it's new to you, it's probably not good for you. If, if it's, if it's confirmation, then that's a firm foundation. You see what I'm saying? Ooh, that's good. If it's new to you, it's probably not good to you. If it's confirming something to you, if it's a confirmation, it is a firm foundation for you. But what you do with all prophecy is put it on the shelf. Don't look for it. Keep looking at the person. Keep looking at God. Keep doing what you know the word of God wants you to do every day. Don't worry about the prophecy. Though the vision tarries, wait on it and it will come. Though if it's from God, it will come in its providential timing. All you gotta do it's continue to grow in the things of God, continue to take care of your, your, your babies and, and grow. And, and, it, and if, if it's of God, it will come. So you put it on the shelf. All prophetic word needs to be put on the shelf in a notebook if you want to. You can write it in a notebook and, and, and forget about it. <clears throat> because sometimes we'll, we'll, we, we will idolize prophetic words. Now, let me put you on game about some prophets. That's why you can't allow everybody to prophesy over you, put their hands on you. There, there's there's demonic spirits that know how to read you. And there's a lot of prophets out there <clears throat> that are not of God. And they're working through demonic power. And uh, their demonic, the demonic spirit in them can read you like a book. The demonic spirit knows the demons that has been watching you. And all they got to do is call a demon dude, demon homeboy down by your life talking about, yo, what's she been up to? Well, you know, Jennifer's doing this and she's doing that. This is what she's been praying to God. Okay, okay, I'm a, okay, tell the prophet this is what Jennifer's going through. All right, I'll tell the prophet. And the prophet reads you like a book, but that prophet's utilizing his demonic gift to get you to become addicted to him 
or addicted to her and connected to her, but not connected to Christ. And that's what happens. People give you people utilize prophetic words to get the people of God to be attached to them, the prophet, not the person, Christ Jesus. So you got to be careful with that. So that's why, as a believer, you have to filter everything that's given to you by a man of God or a woman of God, and you filter it through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be like, don't even worry about that. That ain't come from me. But the greatest way to safeguard yourself is. Is this confirmation from what God told me privately? Not what another prophet told you, not what a pastor told you, <clears throat> but what you sense deeply that God has told you that you will do. And then that's a firm foundation to anchor yourself on because it came from your foundation, God. But if it's new to you and they're talking about your boo is from Alaska or, or, or start doing all, and a lot of people, prophet, prophecies are vague. They're all over the place. Yeah, if you, if you don't have, if, what they'll do is, <clears throat> and trust me, coach, know about the game. Oh, she don't, she don't got no man. So they do they do revival nights for three or four nights, right? <clears throat> and they'll they look at they like to use women because they know women uh, who are who uh, who are going through some things are more emotional and they're more prone to the music behind this man of God and stuff. First off, if the man of God too clean, I wouldn't trust him. If, if, if the prophet walks around a certain kind of way, like it's all about him, he too fresh, he too clean. She, she, she got a, she got four or five armor bears. He got 16 armor bears and he walking like he a man of God. He pulling up in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a escalade coming out the car, walking like he, like he Christ in the flesh off gate. Don't trust him. Prophet men, prophets of God in the Bible didn't roll like that. You know, John the Baptist is like, man, you and y'all soft clothing. I don't, I'm not sitting there saying <clears throat> men and women of God can't dress nice, but we're talking about the way they carry themselves in what they dress. You see what I'm saying? And so they like to, they like to go after women, especially uh, single moms. They like to go after women that they see that there's no man with them or the man. If the man is looking at them like that, they ain't going to talk to you. If your man is there and he's looking at the person sideways, he probably because that man read him like a book. But if your man is idolizing a man of God too, then they ain't going to try to come to you talking about, I see in your future that God is very vague, that this is your year for miracles. Your daughter is going to grow up to be a great this. God's going to give you that house she been. It's very vague. Uh, and it's a game. And so put it on the shelf. If it's new to you, it ain't good for you. If it's confirmation, it's a firm foundation. Hope to help. Hello, all. Thank you for watching from Louisiana. Pink, I thank you for everything. You're so welcome. Rodeo Jordan, <clears throat> coach, do you remain faithful in ministry when it's slow motion? Yeah, that's the best time to be. Ooh, that's a good question. I've been waiting for a question like this because I've been in the, not in the game. I've been in the grind. I've been, in, I've been walking with God for a mighty long time, 12 years with this. My advice to you is this. <clears throat> you increase your faithfulness when it's slow. Slow ministry is a test to you. Are you, are you in this in the numbers or are you in this because of God? When ministry is slow, you slow down. God has graced you with the slow ministry. See, ministry was never meant to grow in your own effort. God is supposed to grow your ministry, grow your platform. But God doesn't grow your ministry until he grows your maturity. God don't grow your platform until he grows your, 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 your uh, ability to, pr uh, to, to be prudent, your ability to steward. So sometimes God slows things down. So that you can get a get good get get a good grip of what ministry really about. I went through this. I was guilty of this. I used to judge my ministry based upon how many people came to it. And if it wasn't a lot of people, then I was like, well, am I doing something wrong? And what happens is you start getting into marketing uh, gimmicks, and that's what a lot of churches are doing. The, the, the secret the secret friendly movement. The guy who created it 
don't even have his church anymore. You see what I'm saying? The guy that created it before he lost his church, before he lost everything, said that this way of ministry doesn't work. But the, the seed has already been casted. So all these churches are now using gimmicks, using marketing strategies from the world and how to <clears throat> uh, monopolize and to, and to uh, make your church mega. So they build the church, but don't build the people because they want the people attached to them. So what most people do is, oh, my ministry is going slow. Let me go. Let me go to marketing, not go to the master. The master will tell you to continue to master your craft, to continue to mind the people that is actually there that you're serving and realize that ministry is not about yourself, your ego, your emo, your whatever, but it's about the glory of God. And if God is not the center focus of why you do everything, then you will do anything to grow your thing. You see what I'm saying? And then that, that ministry is no longer God's ministry. It's yours. And then God will take his endorsing hands off of you. And now all the weight of the ministry is on you. Now, if you don't perform, the church don't grow. No, 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 no. If, if, if God be lifted, he said, if I be lifted up, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, if Christ be lifted up, he'll draw all men. So that's why, like, my ministry is not the sexiest ministry. My ministry is not the uh, the cutest ministry. My ministry is not the most uh, seeker-friendly and people just, oh, that's cute. No, 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 this substance here. There's meat and potatoes here. This ain't no cotton candy stuff. And, and I had to be okay with that. Three years ago, four or five years ago, I had to really come to grips of, Josh, do you want, do you want eternal success or do you want earthly success? And a lot of preachers right now, they, they, they say the name of Jesus, but they really are drawing people to themselves. And I realized that, Josh, what you was doing, what, you, what I was doing back then was wrong, trying to use poetry events. There's nothing wrong with these different things. I was trying to use any and everything to get people there. And my heart was genuine, but misguided until I realized in 10 years, in nine years of doing that kind of ministry, team, I began to realize people don't change. If you draw what you you what you do to draw the people there, you got to continue to do to keep them there. And so I say, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to get down to the nitty gritty of the word of God. And whoever comes, comes. And the next thing you know, the ministry starts shrinking. People don't really want the word of God. I'm not I'm not uh, the type of preacher that's designed for that. I'm a remnant guy. I'm a end times guy. And, and I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy. And so when ministry gets slow, you got to look at yourself and say, okay, am I doing this for the right one? Because that's when ministry tests you. It tests your poor perspective of it and shows you the real reason of it. If you don't take care of the least of these, if you don't take care of the orphans and the widows in their affliction, uh, if you don't take care of those in need and really care about those in need and care about discipling God's people, your ministry is in vain. How do you remain faithful in ministries to realize this ministry was a gift from God for you and that you're going to be held accountable? <laughs> See, it's something about the fear of God that keeps you held accountable, that you know that you have to meet your maker one day, not to be afraid of him. But I want to do a good job for God. I want to do an authentic, genuine, good job for God. And I want to do right by his people. I don't got time for me to be like, well, God, did I not do a bunch of videos for you? I've healed people before. Have I not healed people in your name? Have I not done marvelous works in your name? And God looked at me, but Josh, man, you know we didn't we didn't hang out. You know I don't know you. Depart from me, son. You did that in your own vainness. That right there humbles you, you know? And so that's my advice to you. Uh, you continue to go hard for God. Serve the people that's in front of you. Continue to be faithful. Listen, I've been doing this for 12 years. There's no way you get to 12 years if you care about, if you know, there's only you get to 12 years 
and 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 uh and stop. Somewhere in between, you get a revelation. So keep going. I had a lot of slow moments, a lot of them. But I, but my rev, the revelation came to me maybe four or five years ago where I said, Josh, do it for him. And so what I used to do, I, I shut up. I got there was no more DJ, no more music, no more lights, no more smoke, no more nothing. It was just us on hard uh, uh, chairs and a hard table. You can watch some of those videos and worksheets. I said, if you, I only want to work with those that want to work. It's that simple. Hope that helps you. Hey, Coach, checking in from Fort Lauderdale. What's up, Mitchell? What's going on? Thank you. I hope you're safe down there. I think it was an earthquake down there by y'all. Hope Odia says, question. Your first question on your first live. I'm glad I was able to get to you. <clears throat> How do you know what God wants you to do with your life? Been a starving artist for three years since getting my degree. I know God gave me this gift. He paints through me. Good. That's great. But I'm also seeking a full-time job to have more money, stability, what to do. Um, basically, it's simple. Um, um, you have to... You have to connect your creativity with something consistent. It's doing a job is consistent. And when you work your job unto the Lord, you keep that consistency, right? So you need that job. Uh, you need that consistent flow of income. Uh, and through your stewardship of generosity, through uh, generosity and growing your creativity and making sure that you are stable, you look at your money from your consistent flow of income. And, and I don't know if you married or not, but, but that's what's good about being single is that that because if you get married and you have yet to get your creativity, your creative endeavor off the ground, it's going to be a lot of conflict of interest. And so if you're a single young woman, a young man, I can't tell by your picture, but if you're a single person, um, um, get a good job. It don't have to be a great job, but get a decent job. God will give you favor. He'll give you the right job. Every job I ever had in my life was favored to me favorite to me the job i have at the school i have was favorite to me and it opened the doors for me to be even more creative to open up my mentoring program so what i'm trying to say is god will put you in the right situation for you to be able to get surplus in and to be continue to be creative and so my advice to you is 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 make your money work unto the lord my and, and mind your craft and master your craft at the same time because you got 24 hours my friend and what you have to understand, it don't matter if you work at a job for eight or 10 hours. Let's break it down. You have 24 hours. Let's say you sleep between six to eight. Let's do easy math. Six, let's say if you get eight hours of sleep. Eight minus 24 is what? Six, uh, 16? 16 hours, right? So that's 16 hours. You slept for eight. You got 16. You worked for eight. That's 16 hours going. You have eight hours left. So what you do is never work to help another person's dream every day, but you don't work on your dream every day. If you, every day you work for somebody, you better work on yourself. That's what I'm saying. So whatever leftover hours you have, utilize that time to work on you, to master your craft. And, and God will give you a job that allows the flexibility. Every, the last three jobs I had, it was crazy how God gave me favor and flexibility to be able to still do my craft, to go speak places, to go do my thing. And I have favor no matter where I went. So go to God and say, God, here am I. Here's my gift. Here's my craft. But God, I, I want to be able to do both. I, I need that consistent flow. God, I'm not saying that this consistent flow replaces you as my source. You are my source. But I know that you give me resources to that, that you source through for me to continue to be a resource for someone else. And, and God, I need that right that right currency flow to be able to help flow to build my creative uh to build my calling and my creativeness for God for your glory. God will cycle that, especially your heart is for Him to get the glory. 
So, but I, uh, but I'm also seeking a full time job to have more money, stability, and that's important. Get the stability first. First off, get 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 connected to God first, so that you can be led to the place of stability financially, and then whatever is left from 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 that, you you master your craft. And if you don't have no husband or wife and no child right now. That's what I, I busted my butt, my friend, and my singleness. And now I got all kind of residual income coming in up from the left, the east, from the west, the north, and the south, from what Josh did as a younger man. And so that's why I advise every single person to do. Don't if you don't rush to get married for marriage sake, and you haven't even got anything. You have you haven't even established yourself yet <clears throat> because uh, you're gonna um, you're gonna ruin your establishment if you're not established. Your establishment, your marriage, you're gonna ruin it if you're not established. Um, so how do you know what God wants you to do with your life? Been a starving. First off, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta work. Um, sometimes creatives can have this, com, uh, this, this. They could be too creative, and they're like, "Well, the money will come," and then you eat ramen noodles every day. Now nah, you gotta go get a job and realize first things first. You gotta make sure you can provide for yourself that you're stable for yourself. That's just the will of God. If you don't work, you don't eat. And and if you and if you if you're a starving artist. Uh, um, you got starvation has a way of making you go get it. So do not allow the creative starvation to cause you to be like, oh, well, I'm just going to no, no, no. Let that starvation leave for you to get you a stable job and then minimize your time towards your craft and give yourself a decade. I gave myself a decade and, and, and now we, now we cooking with grease now. And so you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta put yourself at ease and be like, I may, I may not be successful another five years, but at least you got a consistent job for five years. See what I'm saying? And you'll keep funding your craft, learning from your mistakes, et cetera, et cetera. Hope they help. So go get a job and don't, don't ask and, and, and go, just go. Uh, ask God to lead you to the job and just start filling a bunch of applications. And you have to swallow your pride if you have it saying, you know what? I may not be able to do X, Y, and Z as much as I can, but um, I'm tired of ramen noodles. I'm, I'm tired of, of eating poorly and, and not living up to par. Let me get a job. Coach does. I got I work at elementary school and I do everything else on, on the side. But 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 you got to work for somebody because you learn something in working for others. And, 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 and God will show you the way. Hope to help. I've been going 50 minutes. I got time for maybe one or two more to pin on the Holy Spirit and the dark on the door by my wife. Kid J says, how do I receive love from a man? Y'all, y'all. Y'all find a way. These questions right here, y'all be coming with the haymakers. All these questions were are great. This one's great too. But y'all, but these right here have so many layers to them that I that I that sometimes you wish you get them early on. But at the 50 minute marker, now I shift the gears. The gear has always been with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit, I may need your help on this one. Key J says, How do I receive love from a man? I don't know if it's insecurity, but I don't feel worthy of it. First off, if you don't feel worthy from the man Christ Jesus, you're going to be looking for your worth in every other man. First off, no created being can can even can even comprehend your worth. There's not a man or woman on this earth that can comprehend your worth because they didn't create you. The one that he created you is the only one that can comprehend your worth, that can understand your worth. And so when you when you get caught up on the actions of others, then they're actually determining your actions towards yourself. Never let what somebody else think about you, say to you, do to you, or don't do to you or for you, cause you to sink in a level of, 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 of wonder, of wondering if you're not good enough. So what the real issue is, there is an insecurity. Anytime you care about someone else to make you secure other than Christ, you have an insecurity. So the real thing is you have to examine where you and Christ at. 
because Christ's confidence is what supersedes any kind of the confidence because your position as a daughter will trump any other positions. When you are fully aware that you are a daughter of God, ain't a man on this earth that can make you question who you are. There ain't a man on this earth that's going to make you question or guess, am I worthy? Listen, I don't care. I don't care because you they can't comprehend your worth. So I grew up like that. I used The actions of others really affected me, my friend, and it affected me deeply because I began to, uh, well, well, if I'm not part of this group if, or if she looks this kind, if she looks at me this way, I, I overanalyze everybody's actions. And I realize these people can't comprehend the value of people. Do we understand that people in this world today has they, most people don't have no good IQ and if most people who most people since most people don't have good IQ most people don't have a good EQ and people don't have good people skills and so what happens is we we put too much trust in people's comprehension or awareness of value only God knows your true worth and when you recognize your worth that is priceless before him you won't put no price tag on you you see what I'm saying so so the advice I would give you is what are you insecure about? Is there something about you don't like? I grew up with this forehead, my friend. I will give you a side profile. You see the see see it's a big forehead. I'm Nigerian, so I got Nigerian traits. I had a big nose, big head, and I used to try to hide my forehead. I used to try to angle my face where people wouldn't see it. And, but until I liked this thing, until I embraced it, because there ain't no sandpaper to sand this down. It, I'm not going to get surgery. That thing that thing is there. But but if I allow what I don't like about myself to linger in my life, then if anyone just looks at my forehead, I'm in I'm I'm in I'm I'm, I'm in low self esteem. I'm I'm all over the place, and you gotta check your insecurities. You gotta love yourself, and you gotta like what you cannot change, and change what you can change. You see what I'm saying? So if there's something that you don't like about yourself, change it. But don't change it because of somebody else. Change it because you want to be a better version of yourself. But do not allow people who cannot, and this includes everyone who is unable. Well, there's some people that recognize your value. Those are good people. But it, but most of these men, they use it as manipulative tools. So they they only approach women who have low self esteem. Because they know that their words will have value to them. So what they do is they, they look for women that, that gives them too premature attention. Premature attention is this. You, 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 you glow. You glow too quick. Um, you laugh too quick. Your mannerisms too free. You, you, your, your, your body language is too open. A man reads that. You can't have your body language open. You can't get all flirtatious immediately. You cannot be like, really? You think so? That's a clue right there that you have low self-esteem. And a man would be like, oh, I can use her. I can use her. I can use what she don't like about her against her. And that's why a lot of women stay in an abusive relationship. A lot of women stay in an abusive relationship because they don't, they don't know their proper use. Abuse is abnormal use. People continue to get used abnormally when they don't know their normal usage. And when you know your normal usage, you won't allow anybody to use you poorly. And most of these people who's using their words to control you, the more you get the word of God in you, you begin to recognize who you are. You begin to allow the words of the Holy Spirit inside of you to be a reflective, reflective uh, tool to show you who God has created you to be. You are... You, 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 their power's gone. They continue to have power if you're not empowered. If you don't like to be empowered by the Spirit of God to recognize your position as God's daughter, their, their suggestive powers be used against you. The only way Satan could get Eve and Adam to eat the fruit is to make them question what God said about them. 
And so what the devil does, if he can get you to doubt what God has to say about you, he'll cause you to be dependent on other people's words outside the word of God. And those people will continue to have control over you. So you got to look at your heart and ask yourself, what am I insecure about? Is it something I cannot change? Okay, cool. Own it. Because whatever you don't own about yourself, people will sell against you. They will take your product and make you buy it. They'll take your forehead. They'll take your hips. They'll take your kneecaps. They'll take your ankles and use it against you. And you paying interest on something that you should own. So I'm in it there. How do I receive love from a man? First off, you don't receive, listen, a man who don't know God ain't going to know how to love. And there's a lot of men out there and women too, this go both sides, who don't know how to love. And their love is generationally passed down. It's, 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 it's cancerous. And, and so you got to check a person's love walk with God. How can someone walk with you in love if their love walk with God is subpar? If, they, if their walk with God is subpar. And so how do you receive love? This is how women, this is how a man loves a woman. A man loves a woman by number one leadership. He leads. A man leads. Uh, you know a man loves you by the way he leads, by the way he leads, by example and by truth. He's a man that leads. He loves you and he leads you into all truth. He knows how to wash you with the word. How can a man wash you with the word when his fingers ain't been through the word? Uh, uh, the reason why God gave that analogy because a man who a man who's the head of the home is a little bit more logical, who will be able to understand the word enough to be able when his wife is a little bit more emotional, whatever, he's able to wash with the word. So he's able to lead. But you got to check who he's following because whoever he's following will determine the type of leadership qualities and traits he has. You got to make sure he's not following his pastor, not following the other man, but he's following Christ. He's held accountable by these men, but he's not following these men. He's held accountable but he's not falling. Number one, you know, a, a man loves you. You know, a man is true loving you like Christ loved the church. If he, if he, if he leaves, if he leaves and he leaves, he leaves and he cleaves. You know, a man loves you when he is only interested in you. Number two. Oh, let's break. Let's see if I can do this. Love. You know, this is how a man, a man loves a woman by leading her well. Number two, observing her well. Number three, valuing her. And number three, executing. Leadership, observation, value, execution. Leadership, you know he loves you by the way he leads. He washes you with the word. He observes you. He he thinks two or three moves ahead of you. He's he's observing you because he because he's not he's not still he's not married to the woman that he met before. He's observing to get to know deeper ways to love you. Because he's not observing, he's not uh, selfish, he's an observer. Number number three, he recognizes value. He he reverences you. He 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 walks on the side of the road where the cars are. He opens the door. You know why a man should open the door for him? Because the man gotta make sure the woman's in the car and locked in. So if anybody tries to rob, she's safe in the car. And 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 what I'm what I've learned that what I'm starting to do is I'm gonna start giving my wife the key. If I'm in a, in a place where I feel like it's kind of whatever, then you got to open the door and give your wife the key. And so if something happens to you, she can get in the driver's side and drive off. The reason why the man's supposed to walk on the side of the road where there's cars, because if a car speeds and comes out of the way, you can push the woman out the way. You may get a bruise, but at least she's not hurt. The reason there's a lot of different reasons why men and that comes from value. Leadership, observation, and value comes from fellowshipping with God because I didn't I didn't have that example. I learned this along the way through God. And last, he's an executor. 
You know a man loves you by making sure that you never feel unstable, make sure that you never feel insecure. He's an executor. He's not lazy. He's not on the video games. He executes. But ultimately, you know, the, you know if your man loves you and you know that man's loving you the right way if he loves God more than you. If he loves you more than God, he's only going to be your slave or he's going to be a problem. But 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 you have to look inside your heart and ask yourself, what am I insecure about? Because the devil can demons can recognize what you are insecure about anytime. And in the moment you give them a clue, the demon be like this is what you use against her. And it works every time. I don't know if it's insecurity, but I don't feel worthy of it. Listen, man, whatever you did in your past, whatever. Don't, let me let me advise you with this. I don't care if you was an HOE in your past. I don't care if your past is dirty. That doesn't di uh, dis diminish you down to a level of God is just going to throw you a random Joe. No, it don't matter what your past is. If you allow God to redeem you and you change your perspective and you change your patterns and you change your passions, God will give you, God ain't going to sit there and be like, well, your past little, little uh, baby girl was so bad. I can only, this is the best I can give you. No, God will still, if he gave you Jesus in the midst of your mess, if he's, if he came in flesh for your mess, you don't think that he ain't going to give you his best in a husband. If he gave you his best as his son, you don't think he ain't going to give you his best as a husband. You got to forgive yourself, renew your mind about what happened, and allow God to renew your mind. Because if he renews your mind, he'll renew your perspective. He remove, renew your perspective, renew your passions. Your passions would then turn to different patterns. And then you would be primed and positioned to be the woman that God, to, 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 to receive the man that God has for you. So every woman, every man that says, Josh, my past was so messed up. I, God can never, God could never give me a man or woman of God. Man, that's a lie from the pits of hell. Cause nobody, none of us are worthy of any good man or good woman. None of us was worthy of Jesus. But because, but because he saw us in our deepest need and realized that, that we need a savior, he said, I'm gonna give you my best. God doesn't just give his best one time. Jesus was his best, 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 best. But trust me, he always gives his children his best, especially when they mature and they grow. Now, don't get me wrong. We're talking about exclusively those things. But God going to give you his best grace every day. But we're talking about things that he entrusts into our care. <clears throat> Great question. That's it. I feel the Holy Spirit tapping me on my shoulder. He said, that's it. I can tell when he told me that's it. I love you. Y'all be blessed. Um, I pray this live Q&A was a blessing. Timestamps below. Well, if you watch it to this point, there's no need to look down there for the timestamps. But Purpose Singleness Book, get your book. This, this book is on for those who desire to be whole in their singleness. This book, Dating Prep, is a book that I wrote for those who are dating themselves and are in a relationship. This book in the card game that goes with it, they're sold separately different places, but we're working on getting them onto one place. Um, but this book is designed to help the right relationship flourish and to cause the wrong relationship to fail. There are real questions that you ask in three different stages of your relationship. And it's a journal that goes with the book that you can uh, actually track your your answers to the questions and your significant others' questions and grow. Um, this book right here on spiritual warfare, if you need help on that, this book, all my books are on uh, uh, Amazon. Of course, the book, The Purpose of Freedom for those who struggle with soul ties and strongholds. Um, <clears throat> what else? Two card games, Memory Muscles, a card game that I created to help you memorize scripture in a fun way. With yourself or with friends, dating prep is a game um, um, for for couples and for singles. That book goes with that as well. Um, mentoring program starts next month. 
We need your support. We'll love your support. For those, make sure you, if you want to give to that, go to weprepel.education. Go to my website, iamunplugged.com, one of the two. And um, help us there. Let us make sure you let us know that it's for Propel so that we can, we're going to probably have about 45 to 50 students. It's going to be our mentor program. It's our fourth year. And so we thank everyone who's helped us this far. We really appreciate it. Um, if you just want to give the support without do, that's cool too. Um, T-shirts, apparel, everything's on my website. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Um, this Thursday, the Purpose Singleness course, if you have yet, this is your first time hearing it, register today, lifework.teachable.com. All these links will be in the description box. Don't worry about that. Um, register, and we'll be talking about singleness and spiritual warfare this Thursday. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be dense. My notes are already done. They'll be available to y'all tomorrow or Thursday afternoon. I see y'all Thursday, 730 Eastern Standard Time. If you can't meet it then, don't worry about it. We'll be a, if The video will, re, will post. If you want to catch up, the last four videos are on my YouTube channel now. Um, worksheets and all that stuff on my website. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. See y'all next time. Peace.